What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their Have you gotten Rommel yet? What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a really warm, really beautiful, picture-perfect, postcard-perfect Chamber of Commerce Monday afternoon here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. How are you doing? Hope you're well. Hope everything in your life is going the way you want it to. Hope if you're a Tennessee fan, you enjoyed that game over the weekend. I'm sure you did. If you're a Mizzou fan, I hope that loss at Georgia uh, was not too, too terrible to process. That was a tough one for the Tigers. The second tough loss those guys have had this season. Tennessee also with two tough losses this season that probably could have, should have been wins. So lots to talk about there because Tennessee is playing Mizzou this week. It's a really busy week. It's obviously, you know, football first, especially this time of year, Big, big game, Tennessee and Mizzou, with potential SEC East implications on the line. But there's also a ton going on this week, and we'll have tons of pods this week to discuss all of it. College basketball season opens today, uh, which for college basketball hoop heads like myself is a really, really fun thing. Uh, We will certainly be there. And there's a reason why this podcast might be a little bit shorter, because uh, Tennessee plays, as we're recording this, here in just a few hours. So got to get over to the arena and and get set up for all of that. But uh, also baseball to talk about. The Vols played uh, 18 innings uh, against Sanford in Nashville on Sunday. So Ben McKee and I are going to be talking about that stuff here uh, Tuesday or or Wednesday. At some point this week, we're going to get that done. But Football first again, and to do that, you know what we're going on this Monday. We're going over to that undisclosed location and getting to Patrick Brown. Patrick, how are you, man? Good, Wes. Uh, I don't know if I had the mute on for the entirety of me clearing my voice uh, there, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's the busiest time of the year on the sports calendar, Wes. Uh, we all got to witness Josh Dobbs do his thing yesterday. That was pretty cool to see. That was awesome, man. I feel That's... like we have to mention that. Yes. Uh, guy is there for five minutes. Doesn't even know the playbook at all. Hardly knows anybody's names, and he's leading them to uh, uh, down the field on a on a game winning drive in Atlanta down the road um, from his pa- uh, from from his uh, where I guess his parents still probably live in Alpharetta. But yeah, yeah. Um, that was cool to see. My Memphis Grizzlies. The NBA season has officially started. That they've won. Now, are, now they're winning. We are now one and six. I'm I'm predicting seventy six and six now at this point. There's all, nothing that's going to stop us. All they do is win, win, win from now on. Right. I mean, Portland, you you took it. You, how do you like me now? Um, uh, and then how about the Cubs? Just uh, they're they're rating NL NL Central rivals for managers. How about uh, how about that, Wes? Yeah, there's there's a lot a lot going on right now. This is it's a lot to process, honestly. Uh, I and I didn't even mention Arsenal getting robbed of a game against Newcastle over the weekend with a with a petulant. Uh, rigged uh, premier league officiating and yeah, uh, you, you, people think sec officiating is bad it's not corrupt like some other uh, oh places god it was terrible um, it was terrible but just, just a, what I, I i'm really really glad that you brought up the dobbs thing because i might not have mentioned that until like the second segment and i think despite everything else that's going on all the vol stuff putting a, a bow on yukon looking forward to mizzou i we just still with all that going on, we got to mention what Dobbs did. I mean, he showed up on like on a Wednesday, hardly knew anybody's name. They were giving him play. He had never taken a snap from the center until on the sideline before he went into the game. He didn't know he knew enough of the playbook, but it was still 
like the the coach was describing place to him in his helmet before snaps and and they came from behind and won on the road in the NFL which I don't care what NFL team you're playing it's full of just outstanding football players to even compete at that level Pat you have to be so freaking good and for him to do what he did We'll see how long it lasts. He'll probably be somewhere else in about three weeks, starting and winning a game. But I mean, just what a what a performance from that guy. Just I don't know how many guys in the sport in the history of the sport would have the combination of like just brain genius stuff combined with athletic ability to go do what he did. That fourth down conversion, my God, that looked like touchdown Vic. run. The yeah, touchdown run. I mean, that was some Vic looking stuff out there. I mean, that was fantastic. It was funny. I'm sure a lot of Tennessee fans that were watching enjoyed it because he was such a beloved player here, as he should have been. He was A, a great player, B, all class all the way, C, the best part of a time that was otherwise, you you probably remember for what didn't happen, you know, because so some of those Butch teams had enough ability to, to win what was a, a down SEC East. Um, it's not like they were playing in the SEC East that exists now, at yeah. least for a few more weeks. Um, where, where you have a the dominant force and the sport is is on your side of the league, but um, yeah, I mean, it was funny to to see some of the uh, reports from some of the Minnesota writers that were just popping up on Twitter, some of the NFL people that were like saying what you said, where he's like getting calls translated in, and it's like, oh, he can handle an NFL playbook because he's a literal rocket scientist and like stuff like that, and uh, there were people that were like calling you know some saying some of those plays were houdini plays and i'm like that's what i used to say <laughs> like seven years ago and he would you know look like he was dead to rights and then all of a sudden he squirms out of it and runs for 20 yards or runs for a touchdown i still remember the play in the outback bowl where he literally just dropped the snap picked it up and ran around the corner and somehow stayed in bounds dove and got in the pile on i mean northwestern was you know a bunch of slow big 10 players but i mean i think there were a couple of nfl guys on that defense and he just you know yep always have co- this innate ability to to get out of trouble and it, it's still I know Ryan Callahan has said this and I never want to give Ryan credit because Ryan sucks but yeah um agreed but he, he's he's always been confused as have I that, that this guy didn't get a shot before his seventh NFL season I mean this isn't like a rookie that's just you know showing up and balling out uh you know this is a guy that's been bounced around the league from the Steelers to the Jaguars back to Pittsburgh Cleveland Detroit, he got a cup of coffee with the Titans at the end of the last season. He gets traded from the Cardinals. Even if he didn't do what he did yesterday, he would be in a better situation the rest of the season because the Cardinals stink and the Vikings have. Uh, I mean, they're they're trying to get in, in the playoff situation even without Kirk Cousins, who I know you're a aficionado of. But leader uh, of men, really leader, leader of men, best PlayStation, best best PlayStation college football quarterback ever, won multiple Heisman <laughs> trophies, uh, and since then, I don't care anything else about the guy personally, professionally. All I know is that on that PlayStation, he was by God, he was a leader of men. But yeah, that was you know Tennessee fans haven't been able to watch Hendon Hooker this season because of uh, his, his injury a year ago. But they've gotten to watch Josh Dobbs, and uh, that that certainly was fun uh, on Sunday watching all that happen. Yeah, what if imagine because the Steelers are normally like the most consistent, one of the most consistent franchises in all of sports. Like Mike Tomlin never had a losing season. The Steelers don't change coaches, don't change personnel very often. But for an organization like that, what if they had just kept Josh Dobbs? And right now would maybe have a better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. Like it's weird how things work out. Well, it's sometimes. not Kenny Pickett's fault that George Pickens can't get two feet in bounds That's from 
Yeah, apparently, yeah. yeah that's that's. I mean, there, there's. It, it's just it, re- regardless. I mean, it's to to be able to go to Arizona. And they're like, here, we're going to airdrop you in and you're going to learn this really quickly. And he kept them competitive. They didn't win a lot, but they were competitive to beat the Cowboys. And, and, on, and in his and in his case, he got himself another opportunity with how he played. Yeah. And, right. I mean, Minnesota trades for him after Cousins gets hurt because they're like, well, we can either blow it up or we can, you know, try to get somebody and run with it. And they've got, they got a good, good team. Yeah, just, they got a good team. Right. They got two. They, got, they were in the playoffs last year, won the, won the, won the division. Lions will probably win the division this year, but uh, I mean, yeah, they they had too many. You know, they'll get Justin Jefferson back at some point, but you know, they got Jordan Addison made a great play on that last drive. Hawkinson, they just gave a, a bag too, so you know they got too many good players to you know blow it up and try to start over with a, a quarterback. So they bring in this guy, and, and again, he might not lead them all the way to you know the playoffs in the, in the NFC, but shoot, they can't take yesterday away from him, right? I mean, that that'll be something that he's going to remember. That that team's probably gonna remember for a while just because the circumstances. I mean, we both covered football for a long time. The odds of that happening are just incredible. That this guy got here on Wednesday and then he's having to play and then in that for league, him to go out there and play like league. he does. Yeah, God. and I know there's probably some Falcons fans out there that will tell me their team is crap, but they're leading the, the division. There they were, um, and you know they're, they're a confident team. You know they went down at the end of the game and, and took the lead back. So. Uh, yeah, just just crazy. I know we you know people want to talk about Tennessee and and Missouri and UConn and all that. But Dobbs is Tennessee man. Dobbs, yeah. is, Dobbs is. I mean that that's that that took over the NFL world for at least a hot minute. What was going on yesterday, and we couldn't not mention that. I mean, I, I'll tell you this: no matter where he is next season, Dobbs, he's making more than the million dollars he makes this year. Guarantee you that wherever he is, whatever his role is, he will be paid more than one million dollars, which is what he's been paid for this season, which has been a hell of a bargain for all the teams that have had him. And over the past couple of years, many, many, many teams have had him. He's going to be like the Kenny Lofton of football. By the time this is all done, he's going to have played for just about everybody. So, yeah, that's regardless that that was awesome. I'm really, really, really glad that you mentioned that because I would have waited too long to mention it. So I'm glad that you did that. And also, we're going to quickly move on to Mizzou here, and that's going to be the topic for for a lot of this podcast. But we could put a bow on that UConn game. Uh, Tennessee did win 59-3, to as I'm sure you know if you're listening to this podcast. And a, a game that maybe on another day and another year could have been a little trickier for different reasons. A uh, UConn team that had been not good, but competitive in most of its games. Uh, a team that has a couple players who I think are SEC caliber players. And, and we'll see if a couple of those guys portal after the season because a couple of those guys, especially that uh, that jolly kid, that tight end receiver hybrid, he would look good in any SEC offense. He is a good, good football player. And UConn runs some really neat stuff on offense. I, I thought during the game several times, you know, this team isn't good, but this is a fun offense. Like some of the stuff they're calling, some of the stuff they're running. Uh, we saw like a triple pass, basically. We saw some of those really quick pitch misdirection stuff to the edge, some some odd formation type stuff. This is a fun offense, man. You can tell they got some coaches on that team. Just, uh, But Tennessee, despite having a three-week gauntlet before that, playing A&M, Kentucky, and Alabama, three very physical football teams, and then going uh, and knowing that the next two weeks are against Missouri on the road, always been a tough place for Tennessee for the most part, and then hosting Georgia, which we all know what Georgia is. So this had the recipe of a game that Tennessee could have screwed around for a while, Pat. It, it could have... It wouldn't have been a shock if that had happened, but Tennessee goes out there, 
kind of smacks them around after that first drive where they, they let them get a field goal. There was nothing the rest of the day, and they just kind of put a thumping on them. They did what they should do. Yeah, I mean, we we saw them kind of mess around earlier this season with Austin P. And it was interesting to hear McCallan Castles talking about Nico Yamaliyev on on Monday, saying that there were games that you know we didn't handle our business in, and, and some of those Nico and some of his other guys couldn't couldn't get in a game because we didn't handle our business. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was the perfect kind of game and, and weekend for Tennessee because. First of all, you handled your business. You were sharp from the start. You didn't kind of sleepwalk through a game, which, as we touched on, would be easy to do in that in that moment. You're playing a one-win team at noon. You just had three tough games. You think you, it's human nature to kind of exhale a little bit, relax. Maybe yeah. you change your routine during the week. They didn't do that. Um, you know, they came out from the beginning, second play of the game, good execution up the middle. Jaron Wright takes it the distance. Um, they, they did a lot of good things in this game. They were able to rest some guys. Uh, John Campbell didn't play. Um, we didn't see Jabari small. Amari Thomas, I think was dealing with, uh, a, maybe a family situation. Um, and, and you know, he was not, not there. Josh Heupel said Monday that some of those guys that were held out could have played and should be back this week for Missouri. But, you know, even even guys like you know, you look at the backfield. Even with the two guys that played, you know, Jalen Wright's had a sleeve on his leg for a couple games now, at least. And Dylan Sampson was in a knee brace. You know, that group speed up, but you only had to play right. And Sampson, I think, fifteen snaps a piece per Pro Football Focus. So you know, those guys got a little bit of a breather. Some other guys on defense maybe got half the workload they might otherwise get. So, um, and you're able to get a lot of young guys. And, and Josh Heupel talked about that on Monday that. Um, they, they went out there and, and tried to, particularly on offense, play the offense, right? You know, sometimes we see coaches get these their second and third teamers in there and, and just kind of hand the ball off and get the game over with. And, you know, they, they wanted Nico and they wanted Gaston Moore to, to run the offense some because, you know, they wanted to evaluate those guys. They wanted to evaluate the Addison Nichols and the Brian Grants and, and some of those other guys that are on the offense that are young and haven't gotten a lot of chance to play this season because – uh, Tennessee didn't blow out Austin P. They kind of messed around in the second half of the UTSA after they had a great first half. So um, they, they wanted to use that chance to get those guys some experience that they need and, and reward them for the work that they've been putting in and practice behind the scenes. But they also wanted to evaluate these guys. So um, on top of all that, you get three long touchdown passes or three long touchdowns. You get three defensive scores for the first time in school history. But I also think there was just enough particular on defense that the coaching staff can still be like, look at this. We This was bad. We can't do this these next two weeks. Yeah. Past defense in particular, I think they had six, uh, maybe seven penalties on defense that, you know, you're just giving away yards and you can't do that um, against good teams. You know, Tennessee's going to play two really balanced offenses these next two weeks. In Missouri and Georgia, both of those teams are capable of running the ball on you and can throw it. So um, with the quarterbacks that they have and, and some of the skill talent that they have, uh, to help those quarterbacks. So you, you can't be giving up yards on personal fouls and roughing the passer and holding on defense and, and some of that stuff and lining up off sides. You can't probably be able to do that in, in some of these games where the margin uh, is, is going to be smaller in terms of your margin for error. Obviously against UConn, it's going to be, you know, you can kind of do some of that stuff and still win by a lot of points. If you do that stuff against Missouri and Georgia, you're, you're going to be coming back uh, or you're going to be leaving the stadium at, at Neyland in two weeks with a loss. And that's not what anybody wants to see. I think that, you know, that is an ideal game for Tennessee in a lot of ways against UConn and um, good enough to get a 56 point win and play the entire roster pretty much and all that, but just enough 
for the staff to come in on Monday and say, look, can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. Let's improve on this this week and then go get go get Missouri and go on from there. Yeah, I've I've come to accept at this point, and and there there's probably room for reasonable disagreement on this topic. In fact, I'm sure there's room for reasonable disagreement on this topic. But I have come, at least in my mind, to accept that as long as Josh Heupel's at Tennessee, the Vols are going to be competitive. They're going to be good. Sometimes they're going to be very, very good competing for championships and that type of thing. And a vast majority of it is a very, very good experience. However, I think there are little kinks in every staff, every scheme, everything, because nothing in this world is perfect, right? And I just think as long as Heupel's there, this team's going to get penalized a fair amount. If you look at his teams throughout his tenure as a head coach, they play really, really fast. There's a lot of high-scoring games, and there are a lot of penalties. Now, Tennessee's had some games where it hadn't been penalized very often, but and, and we've talked ad nauseum, and I think for fair reason, some people think not fair, I think fair reason, about some of the the lack of calls that have gone against Tennessee's opponents at times in live ball situations. We've discussed that quite a bit, and I think fairly so. But Tennessee, the whole other part of that conversation is that since Heupel's been at Tennessee, this has been a penalized football team. And I think offensively, you're always going to have some procedures type stuff and all that stuff because you're going so fast. And defensively, they have some games where they just rack up penalties and it's not like the kind of thing you want to accept. It's not one of those things that you want to say, you know, just tolerate it. Cause you're like, Oh, well that's just part of it. But I, I do, Pat, I do kind of think that it's just something that as long as they're there until proven otherwise, this is just going to be something that's associated with this team. It's going to be good. It's going to win more than it loses a lot, but it's going to get penalties. Yeah, and it, I mean, there's going to be penalties in games. I mean, with the way they play on offense, sometimes you're you're going to go before everybody's set. Yeah, somebody's going to you know you're going to mess up mess up a cadence. You can't have guys. Um, and, and sometimes there's effort penalties, right? You you mm-hmm. sometimes as a defensive back, you panic and get pass interference. Sometimes you get beat, and the only way to not give up a touchdown is to give up a 15 yard pi. It's just how it happens sometimes. But um, I, I think some of the uh, <clears throat> defensively, I think is where the penalties can't happen. You know, offensively, sometimes, and particularly last season's team. I mean, if they jumped off side, you know, if they jumped before, it was just five more yards for them to gain because they were so good on offense. This offense didn't really have the same kind of margin for error. We saw that against Florida when they were behind the stick so much in, with pre-snap stuff. Um, you saw that with, uh, you know, even in the even in the Kentucky game, they had a couple couple drives early in the first half where penalties just got them off schedule and they couldn't recover. Um, but defensively is where you can't have, you know, you can't line up off sides, you can't jump. Uh, I know Tyler Barron's trying to get a jump on the on the snap, and that's fine. Um, you, you can't rough the passer needlessly if you're Omar Norman Lot. You know, sometimes you're going to reach out and grab a face mask. That happens, but usually just a hustle um, play it, when that happens. Yeah, right. I mean, there, there are penalties that coaches can live with. Um, because they're effort penalties, because sometimes you're just going to get beat, right? I mean, the other team has good players sometimes. Sometimes you're, you know, you might be tired and your technique slips a little bit. If you're an offensive lineman, you grab. Sometimes I think you, you know, if you're Jeremiah Crawford, you're, you're thinking you're, you got a guy locked up and then you see Joe Milton try to scramble and the, and the guy you're blocking kind of moves away and you get caught a little bit grabbing. I mean, that happens. 
Um, it, it's it's the needless stuff. It's the avoidable stuff. It's lining up offsides. It's false starts that that will drive coaches crazy. Those are things that can a they shouldn't happen in any way if you're disciplined. But yeah, uh, and then you know stuff that you can, the penalties that can be avoided, the ones that aren't necessarily as you call them effort penalties. Wes, those are the ones that you have to avoid. And um, I, I think that yeah, to your point, Heupel's teams have always been penalized and sometimes that, that happens on offense i think a lot of times there's going to be penalties there just because it's kind of a you know when they play as fast as they do there's just an element of chaos to all of it yeah um but they can't be given teams you know 60 yards and penalties i mean two two uconn drives were greatly helped by multiple tennessee defensive penalties that can't happen on fourth down uh, twice i think a couple times too. right you can't have you can't have penalties on, on kickoff and, and punt returns that cost you field position um, those are things that that you have to cut down, and um, yeah, I think as long as you're if you're able to overcome them, I think it's it's something you can maybe glance over a little bit. But there's been times this season where you can definitely look at the penalties and say that they really hurt Tennessee. And I think that there's a couple before we go to break here. There's a couple of tiny little exceptions in the college game, like the way that that you know DPI is a 15 yard max penalty in college. I mean, I, I would sit there and tell my corners and safeties, listen, I don't want you to do this, but sometimes you're going to get beat. Sometimes you're going to get dusted. Sometimes you're going to get turned around. You're going to trip or a guy's just going to fool you. If you know that you're like the last line of defense and you got a guy who's about to run behind you, pull him down. You just pull him down. Take the 15 yards. Just do it because there's no reason not to do that. In the NFL – you know, that could be a big spot foul and, you know, all that stuff. But like in college, until they change that rule, which I kind of hope they will at some point, uh, I think that you just kind of there, there. So there's times where you need to do that stuff. You don't really say, hey, this is what we love to do, but sometimes you got to do it uh, and that's fine. But there's just little things and face masks. I, I, I think very, very, very rarely is a face mask an intentional thing. And if it is, that player needs to be you know, suspended or removed from a football game. It's usually just a guy trying to make a play and he reaches out. Same thing with horse collars. Sometimes you're just trying to tackle the guy and it just happens, but it's the little sort of mental things that are just the frustrating ones. I think the ones that you could just, you could just avoid that. Um, and they're, they're going to need to, because these little things, these little things that might not matter a good bit now, absolutely will matter the next couple of weeks they absolutely will and for that reason i mean i think we should probably transition into missouri and talk about what's going on with that team because i'll be honest pat that team is really hard for me to figure out at times it just is but we can have that conversation on the other side of this break after we pay some bills listen to products services and house ads etc come right back here on the go vols 24 7 podcast hashtag ad Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product services and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from his undisclosed location here on this Chamber of Commerce. Just picture perfect, beautiful, beautiful Monday afternoon for a November here in God's Own Knoxville, Tennessee. Talking Tennessee football on this episode, obviously. It's Tennessee and Mizzou this week. It is a big, big game. Uh, Tennessee now the only team in the SEC East other than Georgia that still could potentially win the SEC East Division title. It's not what I would call very likely, but uh, still, if Georgia loses at home to Ole Miss this week and Tennessee beats Missouri in Columbia, then Tennessee and Georgia basically are playing for the East the next week. Uh, if Tennessee wins that game, then it just has to beat Vanderbilt, and the job's done. So a lot of things have to happen, and you wouldn't call the combination of them very likely. Nonetheless, needs to be said, Tennessee is the only team that still could win the East uh, that is not Georgia. So we got lots to talk about with that. We're going to get do get uh, right to that after just a quick request from our end to please go rate review and subscribe to this podcast if you're just listening on the website right there at govols247.com nothing wrong with that no wrong way to consume this podcast helps us out a lot more though if you go on apple podcast spotify iheart tune in stitcher anywhere in the world you can cast a fine pod you can find this govols247 podcast we do this for free happy to do it no complaints but since we do it for free I don't think it's too much to ask to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends. Tell everybody that you know, everywhere that you see them. Please go do that. I love hearing the random ways that people hear about this podcast. It's one of my favorite things about what we do here. So please keep doing that. If you're already doing it, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Let's get right to it here, Pat. Mizzou has confused me quite a bit this season. Mizzou, in the first month of the season, had a nice kind of tight win there over Kansas State in one of the most mismanaged games from two coaching staffs that I've ever seen in the final couple minutes. That was just an absolutely bizarre uh, clock management, situational management deal there. But Mizzou came out winners on the end. They, they won the fight. But between that, they had a couple of close wins that shouldn't have been close wins. One of them over Middle Tennessee, another one, uh, just, just they're just not they they were weird. And then they played LSU and almost won that game. Should have won that game. Kind of got away from them at the very end. And then, uh, well, they they got Jaden Daniels is what they got. Yeah, they that happened. Uh, they they Which got just no harm in that. Yeah, no harm in No that. fault and no shame there. No, the best way to beat him is to knock him out of the football game, uh, which Alabama did on Saturday night. Or and target him out of the game. Yeah, that was yeah. – uh, I had some conversations with some friends who who uh, are around the SEC who very much think that was targeting and others who very much think I am stupid for thinking that was targeting. But regardless I, – I bet you have some Alabama fans who fall in that latter category. They did not like my interpretation of the rule vis-a-vis that particular play. They did not, they did not like it. But regardless – 
Memphis, uh, Mizzou did that uh, and then handled Kentucky with relative ease in Lexington, uh, handled um, South Carolina quite comfortably at home there in uh, in Como, and then darn near went to Georgia and won that football game. I mean, right there in the fourth quarter, had chances and just turned it over a couple times and lost the game. It was a really 30-21, I think, is, was the final um, I, it's a team that is not great across the board, Pat, but it's got a couple of really, really good players, and it's really good at heavily using those players and having those guys make plays to keep them in and win games. But this has been a matchup Tennessee has just dominated the past few years. Uh, this is this opened as a pick 'em. I mean, this is a tough game for Tennessee. Yeah, I, I actually probably disagree with you a little bit, uh, respectfully, of course, that, of course, that this team is just sort of a couple of uh, good players. I, I think Missouri is um, – I, I think they've added some good pieces, uh, and, and they're a better team than, than just a collection of, of a couple guys. Um, and, and it's interesting, you know, there were some people that were uh, – some national types that were celebrating Missouri has played Georgia tougher than anybody over the past two years. Hang the banner, uh, Pat Forty and some of you others – um, but yet how you look at how they play Tennessee and Tennessee's beating the doors off of them twice. I mean, they went up to Columbia two years ago for a 11 a.m. Central time game. They were two and two coming off the Florida game. And it was, well, I think it was 28, three after one quarter, it was 45, 10 and half. I think the final was 62, 24. And last season it was a little bit closer for two and a half quarters. And then Tennessee decided to not stop, you know, kind of stop messing around. And, um, they put the pedal down and, and Missouri had no chance to keep it up with, with Hennon hooker and Jalen Hyatt and those yeah. guys. And, 66-24, Tennessee was going for some style points at the end there. Um, and, and, you know, you wonder, could Tennessee go for 70 this season, right, if you're going by increasing your yeah, scoring total just go, by just four go every point. No and, pressure, just get to 70. Um, and, and Tennessee might need to score a lot of points this game because I think Missouri's pretty good on offense. Um, you know, they've got you know, Drinkwitz has got Brady Cook playing pretty well. Yep, uh, they're, they're a little bit different this season, the fact that, that Drinkwitz uh, did what some offensive coordinator – uh, past OCs who become head coaches don't do. He turned the play calling over to an offensive coordinator, brought in a guy from Fresno State and uh, Kirby Moore, who you yep. know, Fresno State won the Mountain West last season. He had Jake Hayner, who I think was a fourth or fifth round pick thereabouts. Um, you know, guys developed some good offenses and some good quarterbacks, and, and he's done a good job with Brady Cook. Uh, obviously, uh, when you talk about great players, Luther Burden is probably one of those guys that. You would point to us and say that that's one of the guys that they force feed it to. He's he's probably their best player, guy they get the ball to a lot. They've got other receivers there that can, that can hurt you, and I think that that's uh, what makes them tough to defend. Is that you can give Burden a lot of attention, but then you know Theo East is a guy that came over from Oklahoma, has had a yeah. good season. Mm-hmm. He's tough to cover one on one. A couple other guys, uh, Mookie Cooper, Marquise Johnson, uh, are guys that can make plays on you uh, in single coverage, and then. You know, Cody Schrader's a – I think he was a Division II All-American, was a walk-on at some point. He's leading the SEC in rushing right now. He's uh, past Ray Davis after running for 100 yards on Georgia. Not a lot of guys run for 100 yards on Georgia. He's kind of a downhill, uh, you know, old-school kind of runner where he's going yeah. – you know, he's not going to put a lot of jukes on you, but he's just going to run hard and run through you. So Tennessee's going to have to tackle really well in this game. But uh, – and then, t- you know, Missouri's good up front too uh, on offense. So – uh, they have an offense that's put up a lot of points and uh, has moved the ball. Uh, I think the key is is you have to get Brady Cook off his game. He's thrown four interceptions uh, in the two losses that Missouri had. Had a 
Um, two in the fourth quarter against Georgia with the game on the line through a pick six, kind of in desperation mode against LSU. It's hard to really hold that one against them. They were backed up and out of timeouts. But, um, you know, you, you've got to find a way to uh, to take one of the things away that Missouri does well. And I'll be interested to see, you know, Tennessee's leaked some yards in the past game the past couple weeks. Uh, do they shore that up? But, you know, Tennessee's leading the SEC in run defense. So I'd expect them to lean on that, try to take that away, get Missouri in a bunch of third and longs and, and take their chances there. That's sort of been the MO for Tim Banks at, at Tennessee these last couple seasons. And um, I, I think that's what you have to try to do in a game like this where uh, it, you almost have to pick your poison on, on what side you want to stop of, of this offense. And, um, you know, I, I think that Tennessee's going to have its hands full on defense, but if they're able to stop the run and, and get off the field enough on third down, they could probably get enough stops where their offense could take advantage and they can win this game. Yeah, the 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 Schrader guy, he he his second half yards per carry numbers are a little silly, like eight plus yards per carry or something like that. I don't know what happened against Georgia, if, how much that, if anything, that changed it. But th- that's like he he's um, he's. His second half yards per carry numbers are really good. Like he puts a he puts a, a whooping on you. He he goes forward. He he leans forward. He finishes runs the right way. And I mean, I'm just as I'm sitting here in the office here at Fort Rucker Studio, I've got the TV on in the background, and it just showed the Missouri Georgia highlights again. And you know, Mizzou's got the ball down six right there midway through the fourth quarter, driving to potentially go take the lead. And then you just you know Cook, who has been so good makes just an absolutely horrible mistake at the worst possible time, throws a short pass right to a Georgia defensive lineman who nearly had the fat guy touchdown of the season. Uh, that that was that was when you see a big number 78 rumbling like 60 whatever plus yards downfield and he just doesn't quite score, there's something very unsatisfying about that. It's not uh, it's not you know you're just like it's like you know those videos that you watch online and it's like things that are just slightly unsatisfying, like the, the DVD thing that goes on the screen, like in the office and it just never goes to the corner. It's something like that where you're like, I just want to see this end in the end zone. And it didn't, but then Pat again, then this may be something about the, the personality or the mental toughness of this Mizzou team. Even in that situation, it was 27, 21 held Georgia to a field goal there. Uh, didn't let Georgia just kind of waltz right into the end zone on offense and and really put that game away. So, I mean, there's a toughness to this team, and you're probably right. I I don't want to say that Mizzou just has a few really, really good players and the rest are just guys and they really force it to the dudes. They have gotten better across the board. I I agree with that. I I just – I think they're really good – at identifying, and it probably took him a few games to identify just who needed to get the touches and just who needed to get what done. And then they've really kind of taken off since they've done that. And that's not different from like Tennessee in a way. Tennessee's receivers the past few weeks have actually started getting open a little bit more, running better routes, uh, being on the same page with Milton. And all of a sudden, people think Joe Milton's playing better football, which he is. But what's really happening is he's more or less been, except for the stuff outside the pocket, he's kind of been the same guy. They're just making more plays for him now, so he's looking like the way he should have looked earlier in the year. So, yeah, I think you're probably right. I I just think this game is fascinating to me for a lot of reasons, one of which, and I don't think it'll come out this this week because neither one of these guys will say it, Drinkwitz and Heupel do not like each other. They just don't, And, and I think that's sort of, understood uh i think last season tennessee uh, adding some style points the way that it did uh 
you know, after some comments that Drinkwitz had made earlier in his tenure there, uh, there's a little bit of bad blood here. And the way that Tennessee has just beaten the absolute snot out of uh, these guys the past couple of seasons, you're going into their house. That you're this is going to be a fear, it's going to be a feisty game, man. Tennessee better show up and re- be ready to fight like, actually, fight, fight because this is going to be a tough one, yeah. It is, but it's a game I think Tennessee absolutely can win, sure. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This, this is you know, Missouri, it, it's been two defensive coordinators, but the past two seasons, this offense has done whatever it's wanted to on, on Missouri. I don't know the rushing totals, but they were pretty gaudy both of the, the last two seasons, and um, you know, Missouri is. Uh, they're they're going to play aggressive with, with uh, I think their defense coordinator is, is Blake Baker. He's a, a blitz heavy guy. I think their blitz rate per PFF against Hendon Hooker last season was like in the sixties, which is which is so um, high. That is so high. It's been that way the last couple of weeks. Just kind of looking at at those numbers from their games against Georgia and whoever they played. Uh, it was South Carolina they played before they had an open date. So um, both the, both times over fifty percent. That's just how they're going to play. They're going to play man. They've got some good defensive backs. The Tennessee's receivers that have been playing better are going to have to continue to get off coverage and, and make plays. Um, and, and they need Joe Milton to, to continue to be locked in. I think, as you said, he's played really well. Um, but again, Tennessee's been able to run the ball on this team. And um, if you know, Missouri is decent defensively, I, don't, I wouldn't say that they're outstanding. Um, you know, some of their some of their overall numbers are skewed a little bit by who they've played and of course you know kansas state and memphis are a couple of teams they played out of conference that are pretty good offenses but you know they've also played vanderbilt you know south carolina is not very good on offense or well they didn't do very good on uh, against missouri uh, off you know offensively just scoring 12 points so yeah i mean it's gonna be a tough game but um you know, this is there's a reason it opened as a toss-up in vegas it, it could go either way these are two teams that um are capable of uh, putting up points and, and capable of making some things happen defensively. You know, Tennessee's got the number one run defense in the SEC and, and the number one rushing offense in the SEC. And I, I think that's where it has to start in this game. Uh, if they're the more physical team, again, I think they have a good chance of winning. But, you know, it's going to come down to quarterback play. It's going to come down to which receivers are making plays and getting open. Um, it's going to come down to who can uh, finish drives and, and score points in the red zone. That's been an issue for Tennessee. And, Interesting thing about Missouri, they don't force a lot of turnovers. They also don't turn the ball over a lot. So um, that, that's something that's going to be a, a key factor in this game. You're Tennessee, if you're Tennessee, you're hoping that the turnover bug that you had going your way for UConn is, is going to continue in this game. Yeah, I think it, so much of this game will absolutely come down to Tennessee's defensive line. Uh, if those guys – those guys need to get back to like living in the opposing backfield the way they were for the first whatever half or third 25%, whatever it was of this season. They they need to continue. They need to do that because right now this secondary needs that help. Uh, it just does. Um, without Haddon, things are different back there. And I tell you, Ricky Gibson's one of those guys that you wish you could just fast forward a little bit because uh, Tennessee really likes all three of those freshman corners that it got, and they were good prospects, and they're really talented players. But Gibson right now for me is a kid who – I know he had the pass interference on fourth down or the holding, whatever it was. Man, he looks good in that game, making plays in space, in coverage, locking guys down, being physical on tackles, as Hypo calls it, sticking his face in the fan there against the run. 
you just wish you could hit fast forward on that kid's career because that is a very, very good looking young cornerback. And Pat, we've talked about this for years uh, on, on all the commitment podcasts that we've done, on all the recruiting podcasts we've done, you know, with Ryan and with Ben. Tennessee has just had a devil of a time getting really good cornerback prospects for a while now. Um, it just it, it just hadn't happened. Uh, they've gone other places or some guys they, they've had to take kind of chances on, and they haven't, you know, they've had to develop them and other things. But th- these young corners that they've gotten in this class and that they think they're getting in the next class that's what you want to be recruiting at corner. The, those kids look like they could be really, really good, but they're still freshmen. And so you're probably going to rely on those vets in a game like this. And they're going to have to get help from the defensive line because I don't know that they can cover some of these Mizzou guys without Brady Cook being harassed pretty consistently. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Tennessee's defensive line, they only had one sack against UConn, but they definitely made an impact on the game. I think they ended up with 13 tackles for loss, and both mm-hmm. of the pick sixes were aided by pressure. And I think yeah. Garland got one. It was actually a hit that forced an errant throw over the middle, and uh, I think it was Pierce that had the pressure on, on the, the one that Aaron Beasley picked off. But, yeah, the, you know, Josh Heupel said it on Monday with Cook because he's a good runner and he hurt Tennessee – you know, with some design runs in that game last season, uh, you, you have to keep him in the pocket. Uh, you have to get him uncomfortable, I should say. You have, you have to get pressure on him, but you can't let him break contain, get out of the pocket because he can scramble. He can throw on the run. Um, when plays break down, he's one of those guys that can hurt you because, you know, it's a natural tendency if you're on a guy a few yards downfield, if you're in the secondary, to kind of lock in on the quarterback thinking you can go up, up and make a play. You turn a guy loose and boom, it's a big play. So, that has to be the focus for for Tennessee's defense this week. Um, they they just need to keep it going a little bit. You know, the, they almost are going to have to just concede some yards, probably. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, through the air, just you know, you don't want to just you just don't want to get run on the entire game. That that's really hard for a defense when you're giving up runs of of seven and eight yards on first down. Then teams can take shots on second and short. They're in good. They're in, in third manageable situations where they can run it or throw it on you. It, it's really tough to do that. I know Tennessee's improved its talent level on defense, but that's still that's still a tough place to live if you're if you're a defense. So, um, you know, if you're Tennessee, you need to continue. You got to find a way to get pressure. You need to you know continue to stop the run like you have the last few games, um, and then just find a way to make enough plays in coverage, zone or man, uh, to try to keep uh, keep you know, get it off the field and get the ball back to your offense, which is playing pretty well right now. So, um, it, it you know, Missouri's a good team, and, and there's a reason they're 7-2. Um, you know, they, they don't really necessarily have a, a huge marquee win. You know, the two best teams they played probably beat them. They're the two best teams that you would say that they played are probably Missouri or probably LSU and Georgia, and they lost both those games. But, yeah. you know, you could probably say the same thing about Tennessee. You know, Tennessee's beaten some decent teams, but they don't, you know, they haven't knocked off of, you know, they don't have the wins that maybe they had last season. So, uh, this is an important game for for both of these teams, and uh, you would expect it to be pretty tight and, and pretty contested. Yeah, I would expect this to be a, a a pretty tightly contested game. And again, I think this is going to be a very uh, chippy, feisty game. Uh, you, you know, it's funny that Tennessee players are still kind of laughing about how feisty UConn was for a team that was one and seven and just got its absolute ass kicked. Uh, it, it ran its mouth quite a bit, and you saw Slaughter kind of chuckling about that a little bit on Monday too. Just it was, you know, Omar Norman Lott was barking after the game. It like those guys are running their mouth a lot for giving up fifty six or fifty nine points, wherever it was. So 
but that game right now, just imagine that you're a pretty good team. These are two pretty good teams. Maybe one of them will turn out to be really good. Right now, they're pretty good teams. And one of those pretty good teams has just gotten waylaid by this other one the past couple of years. I mean, 60-plus points two years in a row. It's like you you have got to assume that Mizzou is circling the wagons and is being reminded all week, hey, 128 points, hey, 100, whatever it's been the past couple of years, 128 points, 128 points, whatever it's been, and just all in their face. And those guys are going to come out in this game, and they're going to be ready to fight. They're going to be ready to go. Their, their fans are going to be ready to go. And, yeah, but so is Tennessee. I mean, Tennessee's well, going to yeah, be ready to play but, too. But, but what I'm saying is this is one of those things that we've seen Tennessee go on the road sometimes and you know i consider kroger field just kind of an extension of 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 tennessee but you know regardless went on the road that night in a fairly hostile environment and did some things this stadium has a lot of a kroger field vibe to it in terms of the size and you know just it just kind of has that feel like it's not like an a rated place you know what i mean like it's not like a five-star hotel for the sec it's just not um it's a nice solid you know two three star kind of place but uh, they're 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 going to be fired up, and Tennessee on the road still got some stuff it's got to work on, uh, some offensive penalties and things. So yeah, I mean I think the start of this game is going to be very very important because uh, the way that Mizzou runs the ball in the second half of games, you don't want to get behind this bunch. Uh, you you don't want to let them. You, you want to put the 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 foot on the pedal and get on, on top of these guys and make them uncomfortable. So I think it's a really fascinating game to me. This going into the game. Or this going into the season, Pat was not like up there for me. I knew it was kind of a toss up kind of game a little bit, but uh, Mizzou's just flat out better than I thought it would be, and Tennessee is not quite as good yet as I thought it could be. So th- th- this is um, this is suddenly now one of the biggest games of the year. Uh, this has postseason implications on it. This has you know pecking order implications on it. Uh, you just you know we've said this many times. You when you're trying to chase the Georgias and Bamas of the world. You don't want to let the guys behind you come up and come up and nip you. You don't want to let them do that. So, you know, you got to take care of business. I think it's it's a tough one, but it's going to be a fun one. I think. Yeah, I, I think Tennessee should. You know, they should feel confident going to this game, right? I mean, if you're Tennessee, yeah, you know, Missouri might be fired up, but you're also going in saying, "Hey, we've hung, we've hung sixty on these guys the past two seasons. They're not that good on defense." Now you can't expect it to be that easy. You can't expect the ball just. Because it did some and, of the dumbest defensive stuff I've ever seen the past couple of years. Right, in Tennessee. You, you, it was you so can't bad. just. You can't just expect to to roll the ball out there and, and score sixty on them again, but you got to know, okay, th- this you know we have this guy's number, um, you know we have this defense's number. They can't stop us, so let's go out there and play like that. You know that that's the mindset you can have. Um, you know, I, again, I think there's some been some uh, some confidence brewing with this offense over the past couple of weeks. Can they keep it going defensively? They've maybe looked a little bit more twenty twenty two ish, but again, Tennessee defense has played well enough for them to to be in some of those games kept them in, in a couple of those games and that they lost, but also has won them some games. So um, Tennessee has reason to feel good about it. And, and yeah, this is a big game because I mean, you, if you're looking at the, not necessarily the long-term trajectory of the program, but um, if you're looking at just this season on its own, you know, nine and three with potential to get to 10 in a bowl game is a lot different than eight and four. I mean, it just is. Um, we, we've, we've, we've covered this game long enough to know that Wes and yep. You know, if you can get a split in these two games and shoot, who knows? You win this game, maybe Lane Kiffin does you a favor. Who knows? You could be playing with the division potentially to, to steal out away against Georgia. You just gotta, you gotta keep playing and 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 keep bringing the, the same energy and the focus and, and do the same routine throughout the week. And 
and, and get to this point of the season and, and they're all big and, and you know you expect to be playing important games at this point of the season and, and Tennessee's doing that. Yes, you are. And uh that's that's what you want to be. You want to be playing meaningful games in November and Tennessee absolutely is doing that. And we'll have uh, many more, couple more podcasts, at least this week, uh, leading into that game to discuss it. So for now, I think we got to put a bow on this because I got to uh, get uh, this, this podcast cleaned up. And then I got to clean myself up and go on over to Thompson Bowling Arena. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Food City Center and uh, get ready for some uh, for some basketball. So uh, until we meet again, Pat, which I guess will be Tuesday morning. Uh, thanks for being here, man. Yes, please go clean yourself up for the sake of everyone covering the game. That's true. I do look like I, I smell like I look right now, I think. So that's never a good thing. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, uh, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, but if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.